We'll continue to worship together as we open the scriptures and hear from there the gospel. Uh, We are reading from one of the gospels, Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 is especially where we're going to focus today. Um, And uh, it is Matthew's um, personal description, his own take on the origin of the Lord Jesus. As we've seen over and over again over the last few weeks, his desire is to show how the coming of Christ and so many of the specific details of Jesus' origin story are in fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Um, Jesus didn't just come out of nowhere. Um, This is a plan of old that is now coming to fruition. Matthew's trying to establish and prove, really, the truth of the gospel in so many of these different ways related to Jesus' birth. So last night, we talked about how him being from Nazareth, his hometown, he shall be called a Nazarene, was in fulfillment of ancient prophecy. And this morning, we're going to see the specific role of the last Old Testament prophet, His name is John. We refer to him as John the Baptist. He's the last prophet from the Old Testament who prepares the way for the coming Messiah. So I'll read these verses for us, and then we'll get into more of the specifics. Matthew chapter 3, we'll just read the first three verses. Brothers and sisters, hear the words of our God. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For John was he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, when Isaiah said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, how do you guys get ready to receive a special visitor or when an honored guest is visiting you? What kind of preparations do you make? Many of us, I'm sure, are hosting family during Christmas, and we had to get ready by cleaning up our guest bedroom. We had to get ready by getting more groceries for everyone, scheduling activities for everybody to do, probably also buying some extra Tylenol because family can be a lot. (laughs) Or you think on a larger scale, not just your family, but on a larger scale, when a city prepares to, for example, have a presidential visit Uh, Just this past September, President Biden visited Detroit for the annual auto show, and the city got ready to receive the president by shutting down certain roads, putting police and SWAT teams on high alert, even sectioning off a portion of a local hospital just in case there was an emergency. But these are the ways that we get ready to receive special visitors. This is the way our city got ready to host an honored guest. Well, similarly, we could say that the entire Advent season could be seen as preparation for this day. The entire Advent season has been getting us ready for this morning. For the Buddy, of Elf, uh, for the, buddy the Elf types... The Advent Christmas season starts all the way back on November 1st 
We take off our Halloween costume and we put on our Santa hat. For the rest of you Scrooge Grinch types, you've only been celebrating since December 1st. But whether you started celebrating a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, the entire Christmas season can be viewed as preparation for this day. The lights, the music, the parties, the decorations are all in anticipation of now. We take off time from work. We block off our schedules. We end the school semester all to make room and get ready for this morning. Just like our city got ready to host the president, just like we've made preparations to host family, we are now ready, finally, for Christmas morning. One of my sons was so ready for Christmas morning, I kid you not, this morning, 2.30 a.m., <laughs> sitting on the couch. He was ready to go. So this is a good, as good of a morning as any to ask. Not only are we ready for Christmas, but are we ready for Christ himself? Not only are we prepared with a meal plan and a guest list and all the presents, the Christmas morning checklist, but are we ready to receive Christ himself? Well, in Matthew chapter 3, the gospel writer continues laying out the story about Jesus' arrival. He shared with us about his birth to Joseph and Mary, he shared with us about his childhood travels from Bethlehem to Egypt to Nazareth and how all these Old Testament uh, prophecies are fulfilled in these different circumstances around the arrival of Christ. Today the story continues and just before Jesus' ministry begins, he sends one final prophet. We often refer to him as John the Baptist or John the Baptizer for reasons that become obvious uh, for his practice of baptizing those who respond to his message with faith. But you got to know that this John is different from John the Apostle. The Apostle John was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He wrote one of the four Gospels. That's a different John from John the Baptist. Perhaps that's why we started calling him John the Baptist in order to distinguish him from John the Apostle. But again, John the baptizer, this final Old Testament prophet, he's sent immediately ahead of Jesus in order to prepare God's people for the coming king. And this role itself was in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. You see, Matthew says it there in verse 3. He says, this John is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when Isaiah said, and then he quotes Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And that voice said, prepare the way of the Lord. Make the Lord's paths straight. Matthew says that Isaiah predicted there's going to be one who would go before the Lord, preparing the way, making straight paths so that God's people would be ready to receive him. Now, how did John do this? What means were at John's disposal to prepare the people to receive the Lord Jesus? Was it a literal bulldozer? that he used to make new straight roads? Uh, was it flashing lights and police sirens and a show of force to get people's attention and prepare the way for Jesus? Well, look again what he says. Verse 1, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness. 
And then again, you think about Isaiah's prophecy about John. It says that there's a voice crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. You see, that's how John prepares the people to receive Jesus. He's got a word. He's got a message. He's preaching. He's crying out. And so when I ask, are you ready to receive Christ himself, the way we can do so is by listening to God's message. God sent John to prepare the people to receive Christ by delivering a message, by preaching a message. And the same is true now. The same is true now. We can receive Christ by receiving the word of Christ in the gospel message. Last weekend, Meg and I, my wife, we were just commenting to one another. We were just commenting to one another. You know, it hasn't been that bad of a winter so far. <laughs> Maybe it's our fault that we said that. So we were like, this is the best fall we've had. Temps aren't that bad, barely any snow. And then just a few days later, Tuesday, Wednesday, the word started to spread. News started to be shared. A snowstorm is coming. Phone alerts, news headlines, weather reports all started to get the message out. It's coming. Get ready. And it's then that we had a choice. We could listen to that message. We could hear those reports and prepare ourselves. Or we could suffer the consequences. Well, the same thing is happening here with John preparing the way for Jesus. He does so with a word. He does so by preaching, by crying out, by spreading news. And really the substance of what he's saying, the core of what John is preaching, it's there in verse 2. It's that the kingdom of heaven is near. In other words, in Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is invading earth. God is going to make it on earth as it is in heaven by sending heaven to earth in the person of his son. Because you see, sin and sickness and corruption have plagued our world, but God through Christ came in order to reverse the curse of sin. Heaven's kingdom is coming to push back the power of darkness. And as Matthew's gospel unfolds over the coming chapters, we're going to see that Jesus would advance God's kingdom by teaching the truth, by curing diseases and starting a following of disciples. But eventually, and most importantly, the gospel shows us how Jesus defeated death taking upon himself the curse of sin on the cross, then rising triumphant from the grave. And not all of these events have unfolded yet in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, but John is calling the people to get ready. His message is that in Christ, the kingdom of heaven is near, a kingdom that lasts forever. A kingdom where righteousness prevails, a kingdom where sin and evil are eliminated. And so I ask you, have you heard that message? I mean, have you really heard that message? I grew up my whole childhood hearing that message. But my freshman year at university, 19 years old, I really heard that message in a whole new way. 
It was a message that confronted my sin and selfishness, but it also offered me a way forward through repentance, through repentance. And that's the other part of John's message that we haven't looked at yet. Actually, before he announces the coming kingdom, he calls the people to repent. It's the first command of the New Testament. The first imperative of the entire New Testament is right there. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So along with listening to his message, this also is how the people could prepare to receive Christ, by repenting. And repenting can be described as a turn, specifically a turn away from sin and towards God in faith. And John says that Jesus' coming kingdom demands that we do just that, that we turn away from a life of sin and, toward, and turn towards God in faith. Because you see, Jesus and his kingdom He came not only to undo the curse of sin, but he came to expose sin for what it is. And not just the sins of the world, not just the sins out there, but our own sin. He exposes all of us for the ways that we've sinned against God and acted selfishly. And so if we are to ready ourselves to receive Jesus, we must humble ourselves in repentance humble ourselves in repentance. You know, it's fascinating to me that probably the two most famous and the two most popular Christmas stories from the last hundred years, they are each, clear as day, stories of repentance. So for example, Charles Dickens' novel, A Christmas Carol, It's been remade and remade over and over again. Movies, cartoons, children's books. My favorite edition is A Muppet's Christmas Carol. (laughs) Michael Caine does a phenomenal job portraying Ebenezer Scrooge. But you know how the story goes. It starts out and Scrooge is cold-hearted towards his employees. He's greedy with his money. He's heartless towards the poor. I mean, he's really sinful. And then what? He's forced to confront himself. The ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future force Scrooge to examine himself and the way he's living. And it's only then, it's only then that he comes to the end of himself. It's only then that he turns from his selfishness. He turns from his greed and he cries out for mercy. Because you see, it's through this humiliating, it's through this humbling experience that then Scrooge is able to be transformed through repentance. John says it's that exact kind of experience that we all need to prepare ourselves to receive Christ. The good news of God's coming kingdom is in fact good news. The gospel of Jesus is for sure glad tidings makes us happy, but it is also a message that calls for us to honestly assess ourselves, to humbly look in the mirror of God's word and see how it exposes our sin, and then to confess our sin and surrender ourselves to the lordship of Christ. And so church, I call us to do that, not just in a one-time experience where we receive salvation, But may we be a 
people of repentance who weekly, who daily come before the Lord, owning our sin, surrendering ourselves to how God would have us move forward in life. So full disclosure, I'm a November 1st kind of guy. I can't wait. I'm a Christmas freak. I love the lights and music and food and parties. It is all awesome, and I am depressed when it's over. Tomorrow is the worst day of the year. I love winter. I love the snow. I love the cold. Right up until December 25th. And we are about to enter the apocalypse as far as I'm concerned. And God is about to do a massive amount of sanctifying work in my life. Because I'm going to come to the end of myself. I'll check in with you guys each week and we'll keep track of how close Memorial Day is as we go. But as good as all those preparations were for Christmas, as good as all the things we still have for the rest of the day, as much fun as it has all been, church, this is the way. This is the way we prepare to receive Christ. The pageantry, the beauty, the decorations, the heartwarming songs, it's all great. But this is the way the Lord would have us receive him. Listening to his message. Having ears to hear, listening to his message. And then humbling ourselves before God and before one another in repentance. May the Lord make us that kind of people. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.